The word of the Lord from the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians. This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He is dispersed abroad, He is given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now may He who supplies seed to the sower, and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your holy word to our hearts and to our minds, and Lord, we pray that you would help us to be transformed by it. Lord, may we surrender ourselves to the work of your grace in our lives today as we gather together and as we worship you. May we hear from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we've been talking for the last few weeks about being holy, his, about how If Jesus is indeed Lord, then every bit of who we are and every bit of what we have really belongs to him. And as we are called, we are invited to submit ourselves to his lordship. And so we've been talking about our... the life of our imagination and prayer life. We've been talking about our time. We've been talking about our relationships. Last week we talked even about our sufferings, how... How if we are indeed His, then even our sufferings can be places in which His His holy presence can enter into our lives and transform us and make us completely and utterly His. This morning, we're going to talk, we're going to do a little bit of meddling, we're going to talk about our stuff. You know your stuff. All of our stuff is from Him And for him, no matter what it is. Typically, when we get to church on Sundays, we don't like to talk about our stuff. We think of that as meddling. We think of that as kind of off-putting. The Apostle James tells us in his epistle that every good and every perfect gift comes down from above. From the one he calls the Father of Lights without whom there is no shadow of turning. He tells us that every good that we have in life, everything that is good, everything that is true, everything that is beautiful, everything that is perfect, 
comes down from our Father. The food we eat, the friends that we have, the work with which we are employed, it all comes to us from Him. When it comes to our stuff and whether or not we put it under the Lordship of Jesus, one of the main issues at play is really what boils down to pretty base-level Christian faith and life. Will we obey Jesus in faith, or won't we? That's pretty fundamental, that's a pretty fundamentally, or that's a pretty fundamental question to our Christian faith. Will we obey him? Obedience is based upon trust. It's basically an issue of trust. When you trust those who are over you, you'll obey them. To say that you trust the Lord means nothing if in the end that trust doesn't translate itself into faithful obedience to him. It's like when a kid has a band-aid on his arm and he's worried about the band-aid being pulled off and me as a dad is trying to do the hostage negotiation of, let me go ahead and get the Band-Aid off. It'll be quick. It'll hurt a little bit. But when it's over, it's over. This will be relatively painless. There's always that, that pull back, that wincing, that anxiety over when the pain's going to hit and how painful is it going to be. Can I really trust here? I remember uh, being in youth group back in the day. And... Um, they still do it, I know. We would have those, the faith falls. I think it was first becoming a thing back in the, uh, back in the early 90s when I was in a youth group uh, where the youth group would gather together. You'd pull a, chair, a table out into the, into the middle of the floor and everybody would kind of pile around one side of the table. And then you would volunteer to be the one that was going to do the faith fall. And you would climb up onto the table. Typically, you'd have to climb up in a chair, get up on the table. And you would, you remember, you'd close your eyes you would turn your back to your friends, your youth group, the people who were supposed to be there for you through thick and through thin, and you would simply allow yourself to lean back and fall, trusting that they were going to catch you. And I remember the anxiety. I don't think there's ever a time where there's not anxiety in that faith fall. But I remember the, the anxiety of the first time I was up on that table and leaning back. And I knew that some of these friends were really, really good friends. We went way back. Most of them were there because of me. But I also remember thinking some of these guys are knuckleheads. And some of these guys would laugh if they saw me hurt. We're that tight. You know, we're like brothers. It's easy to talk about trusting God. It is difficult to actually express that trust in faithful obedience. And when it comes to the stuff of our lives, often what everything boils down to is that simple question, will we obey Jesus in faith or won't we? As we consider our stuff this morning and consider his lordship over it and how even our stuff can become wholly his, 
wholly in belonging to him and entirely his because it belongs to him. I want to think with you this morning specifically about three simple basic categories of our stuff. And yes, like often happens in a, um, in a sermon, there'll be a little, a little bit of alliteration here. Um, but these are just three very helpful categories that are easy to remember that help us to think about what is it in my life that is my stuff that I can entrust to Jesus and that he promises to actually bless if I will trust him through faithful obedience. The first category. Ah, we missed that slide there. There you go. The first category is our time. Most of us in life are far too busy on a weekly basis. That's pretty obvious. We may, you, I would say, look at your schedule or look at your calendar of events that are coming up, but some of us are far too busy to even keep a calendar of events and a schedule of what we've got going on. Everything is constantly flying by the seat of our pants, getting from one thing to the next. Some of us make it through the week simply because we have an iPhone or maybe a Samsung smartphone or something that's constantly giving us reminders of where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. We've got our, our phones connected to our Facebook accounts and our Facebook accounts connected to our calendars so that we remember, oh yeah, there's that birthday party this Saturday. Oh yeah, there was, there's that, that shower I'm supposed to be going, th- going to Monday night. Oh yeah, there's the... the uh, Theology Thursdays that's coming up. That's this week. Ah. Most of us are far too busy on a weekly basis, finding that our time with the Lord, and not just our time with Him, but also our time for Him, because that's how the Christian life is always moving us, bringing us into His presence and sending us out with His presence. It's kind of weird in here in a chorus room, but you remember the acolytes? bringing the light in and we gather together as the people of God and then leading the light out, reminding us that the light of the world, Jesus, in whose presence we've gathered, is leading us onward out into the world. So our time with him and our time for him in service. We find that that time is far too limited and far too easily compromised. Time that we had set aside Plans that we intended to keep, where something else comes up, something else perhaps better, something else that seems more immediate. It, we, we live constantly busy, most of us, and we find that our time with the Lord and our time for Him, again, it's far too limited and it's far too easily compromised. We're busy. We're tired. We were up late. We want to do something more fun. All of these things that come up in our lives that infringe upon our time with the Lord and our time for Him. But you know, time is the most fundamental thing we have in life. It is everything. Quite literally. All of life is lived in time. And all of life is lived through time. It is literally the content of our lives. What we do with our time is what we do with our lives. Which brings up an awful lot of questions 
when we say that we trust the Lord with our lives, how does that trust get expressed in the time that we have? This is not just about the length of our quiet time, whether or not our quiet time is in the morning or in the evenings, or whether or not we even have a consistently uh, a consistent daily quiet time. This is about finding that every moment of our lives belongs to him and is a gift from him. I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage myself more. Think of your time with Jesus and for Jesus in an intentional way. Some of us are more disciplined with our time than others, but all of us need to nail down some disciplines in life. We need to nail down some disciplines in our our time daily. The reading of scripture and prayer, these are the two most fundamental, most elemental things that we can do on a daily basis in order to increase the time that we're spending with the Lord, but also to prepare ourselves for how we're going to live that day or how we're going to live the next day. But notice that daily time with the Lord, time in prayer and time with in scripture, this is not really stuff that we do for God. I remember also being in youth group and uh, being asked a question by my youth pastor. It was actually Chris Weldon. He was my youth pastor for a couple of years. And he asked us, he said, uh, what is, what's something you're going to do for the Lord this week? And I remember very first thing, I don't remember if it was me or one of my knucklehead friends, but hand shoots up and we think, oh, this is going to be good. I'm going to read my Bible and pray daily. And he said, wrong. That's not something you do for Jesus. That's something you do for yourself to draw closer to Jesus. What's something you're going to do for him? The daily time that we spend in scripture and in prayer, it's not really for him, it's for us to be strengthened to be nourished. It's, it's like saying, well, you know, something I'm going to do for my, for my family is, is I'm going to show up for dinner and eat a good meal. There may be some peripheral ways where that's a benefit to the family, and some of us eat far few meals around the table as a family, and so, yes, we probably ought to nail down a discipline there. But the eating of food is really for ourselves. The consuming of Scripture and Lifting ourselves to Jesus in prayer, it's typically more oriented toward ourselves. It's not really something we do for him. We need to nail down some disciplines in our lives with regard to our time. Our our time daily, but also our time weekly. And when we think of our time weekly and nailing down disciplines for Jesus... And for ourselves with him, we typically think of, of course, worship. A gathering like this on a Sunday morning like this. And this is indeed time for him. This is not for ourselves. We gather and we probably all have different opinions about what a service should look like, what we're comfortable with in a service and all those different things. But if we leave here on a Sunday morning and we think, man, I just didn't get anything out of it. Or if we think, boy, that didn't go all that well. Typically, we make those conclusions because we forget the fact that we worship him. He is the audience. You are not the audience. 
He is. I would say there is indeed an audience of one, but it's really an audience of one in three. We're here together in the name of Jesus to worship the Father through the Son in the Spirit. And that weekly gathering of worship, this weekly gathering of worship, is something that we need to prioritize in our lives, something that we need to nail down. If it's not on your calendar, it probably ought to be. Typically, we think, oh, the things that we just do on a daily basis, those are things that we don't need to to remember about, or those are things we don't need to mark down in life. But think about it this way. If you're finding that you're gathering together on Sunday mornings for worship with the body is becoming something that's not quite routine enough, it's something that often gets pushed aside, you do whatever it takes if that thing is a priority for you. Perhaps we need to add our time together for worship to our calendar each week. Perhaps we need to set alarms that just go off in rote memory. I know if my kids weren't brushing their teeth or weren't, weren't you know, keeping their hands clean or something like that, I would do whatever it took to get that done. But oftentimes... Our time daily, our time weekly, those things just kind of get pushed to the side. And we, if we're not careful, we'll find that some time will pass and we'll look back over the previous time and realize, wow, my time has not really belonged to Jesus. I've been pretending that it's mine. I can do with it whatever I want. We need to nail down some disciplines about our time or with regard to our time periodically. And here when I think of periodic time with and for Jesus. I'm thinking specifically about opportunities for service. And as we serve the Lord, as we serve people, or serve Him by serving people, this really is also time for Him, but it's also time for others. I think of just the ministries that we've got going on in our church, both ministries within our body and without our body. We been announcing for the last several months about Devereaux and our involvement there. And that's a periodic time for us to be able to spend with the Lord as we serve other people. Meals on Wheels, which we do every other week. Some of you have come along with me in, in, in Imogene uh, to deliver those meals, and you've been blessed by it. And, you know, more importantly than you being blessed by it, you've been a blessing to others by it. The ministry within our body of nursery keeping and teaching Sunday school and Bible studies on on Wednesday nights, all those things, those are periodic opportunities for us to serve the Lord, to bring our time under his lordship. But there are a couple of other categories of our stuff that I want us to consider this morning. Not just our time, but also our talent. Most of us are better consumers than contributors. When it comes to other people in our lives, that's just, I would say it's inevitable, but it's not really inevitable. It's just what we do. It's habit. We are better consumers than contributors when it comes to others. This isn't just within the church. It's it's also far too obvious In our friendships, we take better than we give, typically. 
I think it's how we're wired. We've been accustomed to it. Really for hundreds of years, perhaps even from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, we have been fed the lie that we are at base level consumers. If you don't take it, you won't have it. We're most concerned with what we get out of relationships than what we put into them. Few of us naturally think, what do I have to offer here? And how can I serve? We don't think that way even about our friendships. Most of us don't even think that way if we're married about our marriages. It's all about what makes me happy. What brings me joy. And this may sound weird as a point of discussion concerning our talents, but the talents that we have, the gifts that we have, our abilities, our skills, how God has has made us, those are really what we bring to the time that we have in life. It's who we are. It's what makes us. It's, 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 again, our abilities, our gifts, our skills. And Paul, in his letters to the Corinthians, is, especially in his first epistle, he's working out the, the difficulties and the tensions of people with a variety of gifts who, haven't, who think that those gifts really are all about them. They're all about the seeking of attention, all about who... who who stands in the spotlight, all about who has which gift, and not about the benefit of the body. And Paul makes it very clear that he has blessed us, he has graced us, he has gifted us, so that we might be a blessing, so that we might be gracious, so that we might give those gifts and share those gifts with others. David and Bill, I promise I am not like peeking ahead at what you are studying each week and then building my sermon around it. This morning, when y'all, when when the kids showed me the blessing bags, I thought this is this is a great this is a great point, and it and it it ties right into to what my sermon was going to be about this morning. God blesses us in innumerable ways. David mentioned, you know, so often we forget how blessed we are, and immediately I I started humming in my head, count your blessings, name them one by one. I remember singing that. All the time as a kid growing up, it was one of those Sunday night songs. We didn't have the organ turned on on Sunday nights. It was just the piano, and we'd sing those little kind of more happy hymns. He blesses us to be a blessing. He gives us grace and gives, gifts us so that we can be conduits of his grace and so that we might be giving people. He gives us talents to be used In the body, he gives us skills and abilities to be used in service to others. He has gifted his church in various ways for various ministries. He's wired us to be a blessing to other people. And rarely in our lives do we think, how has God made me and how can I serve him and serve others, serve him by serving others? What are my talents? And then lastly, 
the third category of our stuff that God invites us to bring under the lordship of Jesus. Our time, our talent, and lastly, our treasures. Most of us see our finances as ours by right. We're good Americans. And we see our finances as only to be graciously offered, graciously on our part to be offered to various charitable causes as we see fit. Interestingly, what God in the Bible demands of our finances is actually not primarily about rules and rule keeping. It's not primarily about that. It's not primarily about God saying, do this, so therefore we have to do it. That's part of it. That's kind of the base part of it. But instead, the biblical call to how we handle money is built upon a theology of stewardship. Those of us just a few months ago who walked through a um, personal finance class with Bill found that that's kind of the recurring theme in that class is we were made by God in his image and we were made to be stewards, stewards of our time, stewards of our talent, and yes, stewards of our treasure. Made in God's image, we have been entrusted with what we have in order to live generously as he does. Because God is the most generous. He is the one who's given us everything. He's given us all that we have. He's made us all that we are. God is is generous to a fault. He's constantly giving. And he invites us through his word to give as an expression of his lordship in our lives that he says 10% and therefore we follow him, that he says be generous even beyond that and therefore we follow him. And he calls us not just to, to obedience in him but also a reflection of his character, to be generous like him, to be giving and gracious like him. Again, all that we have in reality is his. It belongs to him, and he entrusts it to us as stewards. Interestingly, in the Gospels, when Jesus talks about the judgment seat of Christ, one of the most commonly measuring points of his people is you have been generous. You have been generous in your time. You have been generous in your talent. You have been generous in your treasures. Enter in. Just a few days ago, I was listening to um, Banks and Shane's podcast that they've got got going, and uh, they made the comment that Simply by virtue of living in America, we are all among the world's top 1% when it comes to finances, when it comes to what we have. Because of that, we also become quite talented as people and we tend to have quite a bit of disposable, not just income, but also time on our hands. We have been blessed far more than we even imagined. As the ultimate owner, God wants to use what we have 
for the purposes of his work in the lives of others in the lives of others within the body, the church, and for the lives of others within the world and throughout the world through the church. You know, the Lord Jesus really is quite generous to us, not just in giving all that we have, but also we read from the gospel just a few moments ago about the rich young ruler. Yes, to the rich young ruler, he demanded poverty, Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. But he rarely calls us, he rarely calls you and I to such radical obedience. He doesn't call everyone to give away every single thing that they have. But he does call every single one who's willing to follow him to be generous, to give sacrificially, to give of what we have and what we are. He does call each and every one of us to some sort of what might be seen as radical obedience. In fact, if your life and my life aren't substantially odd to the world, we have to ask the question, are we really following the voice of Jesus? Because it's Jesus who said, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and let him follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul or self? What will a man give in exchange for his own soul or self. You see, Jesus knows. He knows how he's made us. He's, he knows how he's made the world to work. And he knows that generosity always brings blessing. This is the way he created the world. Despite popular demand, you really do get out of life what you put into it. You really do get out of the church what you put into it. Your life will never be more blessed than when you surrender it completely to Jesus. Your time will never be more blessed than when you surrender it completely to Jesus. Your talent will never be more blessed than when you surrender it completely to Jesus. And your treasure will never be more blessed than when you surrender it completely to Jesus. The problem is that we fear missing out. Our stuff is what we grasp with our hands. It's what we hold on tight to. We think that it's all that we have. And if we yield it to him, we might go without. We cry out, it's mine. It's precious to me. Perhaps for you, complete obedience right now in this moment seems intimidating. Perhaps you're thinking, I just can't be where I know I need to be right now because I'm just not there right now. I'm not ready. 
But I want you to ask yourself a simple question. Right now, in this moment, as we prepare to respond, I want you to ask yourself, what small step am I able and willing to take toward faithful obedience right now? What's that next step? You've heard me quote often George MacDonald, the Scottish pastor, God is easy to please but hard to satisfy. He will take our steps, even if they're little baby steps. The Lord insists quite plainly, all that you are and all that you have is mine. Trust me with it. Is the trajectory of your trust directed toward complete obedience? Or are you simply ignoring his voice? Because that's really the sum of what every response we make to Jesus is. Are we stepping toward him in obedience? Or are we ignoring him? I hear nothing. Father, we pray that you would help us to hear your voice, to hear what you are saying to us in the quiet of this moment. Lord, we want to be wholly yours. We want all of who we are and all of what we have to be put under your lordship. Help us. Help us to hear you. Help us to trust you. Help us to step toward you in obedience. Because, Lord, we want to completely and faithfully obey you. Lord, would you bless our lives? Would you bless all that we bring under your lordship? And would you bless us to be a blessing to others? So that thanksgiving might abound among those who are in need of being blessed. Lord, help us to surrender all that we have to you. And we pray all this. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Let us go in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.